0: Okay, how you doing, everybody, and welcome to episode number ninety-nine of the John Riley Project. It is Sunday, December twenty-ninth, and I am very pleased to have as my guest a Poway local, an author, Mister Nick Neeld. How are you? Good. How are you? All right. Welcome uh, to the fabulous JRP podcast studio. <laughs> Thanks.
1: <laughs> Glad to be here.
0: Um, you know, when I, I was talking with, with Pete Neeld, you know, one of our frequent guests and and uh, supporters, and he told me about the book that you wrote, mm-hmm. it just was perfect, you know, because we talk a lot about life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, self-improvement. And when I learned about your book, Just Be, right. I just thought it was fantastic. <laughs> so thanks for coming on board. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Okay. Yep. So, um, <clears throat> Nick, you, you grew up here in Poway. That's right. Born and raised. All right. Yeah. So um, I I hear you've been like kind of buzzing around town, hooking up with some of your old friends.
1: Yeah, I'm only in town shortly. Uh, I'll be leaving on Wednesday, just a few days from now, and uh, you know, only here for a couple of weeks. I'm living in Europe at the moment. In Europe. Yeah, my wife is uh, from Czech Republic, so we're living in Prague.
0: Very nice. With a three
1: and a half year old. Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah. So, uh, it, it just as an aside, is is your child? Uh, Dual citizenship?
1: He is, yeah. He's got automatic dual citizenship. My wife uh, has now uh, gone through the process and is also having dual citizenship as well. Mm -hmm. And so that's the whole point of us being out there is that I'm now working on my dual citizenship as well.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Prague is a fantastic city. Beautiful. Um, It's become extremely popular with tourists. Yeah. You know, it seems like in the last 10 or 20 years. That's right.
1: It's highly touristy.
0: Yeah, but it's beautiful. (laughs) So, yeah, welcome home.
1: Thanks, man. It's good to be here. Really, it
0: is. (laughs) So um, tell me a little bit about, um, you know, the book, Just Be, and, and what inspired you to write this? Uh,
1: all right. So I've been practicing mindfulness for uh, shoot, seven or eight years now. And, uh, I, I just fell into the deep end right away. I just fell in love and, uh, I've been practicing it as deep as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and as often as possible ever since, um, Long story short, it eventually led me to uh, form uh, an intentional community for young mindfulness practitioners here in San Diego. And so I was living with uh, five other practitioners in the house together, trying to practice together, also uh, hosting a weekly meditation group. Um, so in that space, we were hosting a retreat at our, uh, at our place and in a morning meditation session, images for the book really just started kind of coming into my mind. Nice. And afterwards uh, I was talking to them at breakfast about it and they're like, Hey, you should totally make a book. And I was like, who am I to write a book? You <laughs> right? know? Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I had some motivation and, um, some encouragement. And, uh, so one thing led to another and, you know, the book got made. So
0: that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, It must feel a great sense of accomplishment to be a published author
1: it is does that feel good it's it's strange but also at the same time i can see that this isn't just me that made it it's amazing to be able to see the collaborative uh, effect um mm-hmm. i had a fundraiser that i did to help uh, raise the money to do the the publishing and so my friends and my family and even people i've never met before poured money into the fundraiser to help get it published um obviously the the illustrator uh christoph Nedger is also a mindfulness practitioner helped put this together along with the editor right. gina tang and uh you know honestly i see this as a, a community effort that that brought this thing forward and i'm very humbled to be a part of it and i don't feel like um oh i'm like this guy that made this thing it's like i can take credit for my effort which i put a lot of effort and time and energy into but um i really do see this as like uh, something that's come through me not um Something right. that I've made—it's kind of strange too. Well,
0: that makes experience. sense. I yeah. mean, I think any author, you know, takes um, you know their life lessons, their influencers that have helped them in their life, and have created something from that. And right. it's not unusual to have collaborators in the creation process. Exactly. So, um, I think it's great. I mean, just. I'd love to be a published author, so <laughs> maybe someday. So, uh, interviewing you, this inspires me. So. Well, I'm
1: sure I'm, I'm h- happy off camera to maybe show you the ropes. Huh? All right. Well, maybe <laughs> we could
0: talk a little bit about that today too, later cool. on. Because happy to. Um, a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, love to learn how to create some additional revenue streams. You yeah, know, of
1: course, and that's <laughs> that was actually one of the ideas for it. Is I uh, I was inspired to to create multiple streams of income, and, and this is like you know one possibility. So yeah,
0: that's great. Yep. So let's, let's talk a little bit about mindfulness and what is mindfulness? How does it benefit people? You know, help us understand that.
1: Good, yeah. It's a it's it's something that that I, I I'm aspiring to do uh, professionally is answer exactly that question for uh, adults in the professional area, which is uh, also a business that I think you know a little bit about the mindfulness centers. Yes, uh, and we can get into that a little bit later. But man, it's it's uh, very simply uh, mindfulness is an energy that you can, uh, I guess, cultivate that you can make and it helps to, um, shine light on things. And I know that sounds kind of strange, but, um, it's basically the, the energy that you use to practice meditation with. Um, mm. so a lot of times people think that mindfulness and meditation are the same thing and they both kind of go hand in hand. But, uh, for example, um, mindfulness, like this is my handy dandy, just Be water bottle. <laughs> um, if I'm okay. practicing mindfulness, I'm aware of this bottle and I can pay attention to it. I can, cultivate love for it you know with the mindfulness energy and um, this is usually just a part of a process of practicing meditation and in the process of practicing mindfulness you come to develop concentration which is another energy and concentration energy is basically uh, I I like to think in science terms so um, mindfulness over time so concentration equals C Uh equals M over T Uh concentration equals mindfulness over a period of time and so
0: ah, I've never heard that. that that's yeah. that's cool.
1: Yeah. So if you're like able that. to concentrate for an extended period of time, uh, your mind starts to settle down all by itself. You don't need to try to rid your mind of all thought, which is a common misconception about meditation. A lot of people are trying to rid their mind of all thought and just think no thoughts. And if anyone's ever tried to do that, they know that's a pointless venture. So um, the point of practicing mindfulness is you concentrate. It leads towards concentration, a single point of focus. And then your mind starts to calm down all by itself as a byproduct of the focus. And, and just in that process, insight starts to come up. So
0: see, I have experienced both sides of that. So I've, I've attempted to do meditation Mm -hmm. and you know, you sit quietly, sometimes in a dark room and you try to calm the mind, but suddenly there's these thoughts that enter your mind. Mm -hmm. You know, they're almost like these lasers exactly. and and you're like, Oh, stop, stop, you know? (laughs) And you can't, You mean, because thoughts go in and out of your mind all the time. You can't control them. But the idea of mindfulness as concentration over time, Mm -hmm. that's almost like when you're working on a project Mm -hmm. and you become immersed in it and totally focused and you lose track of time. And that's like, I love it when I'm in that sweet spot. Because special things happen. You know, the creative exactly. process
1: really works. Yeah. And, and sorry to correct you, but it was concentration equals mindfulness over time. But oh, that's all right. Pardon me.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay.
1: It's a, it's a very valuable patented formula. No joking. Yeah, no, <laughs> but, but it makes it concentration equals mindfulness over time. Mindfulness over
0: time. Over time. Right. Not, okay.
1: And, Got it. And you're right. I mean, uh, a lot of people practice mindfulness all the time. They don't even know it. So yeah. like when I was practicing uh, snowboarding, you know, I didn't know that I was practicing meditation because <laughs> when I'm going down the mountain. I'm feeling the snow bunching up underneath my board. I'm able to know if it's slushy or you know melted or crisp. Yeah. And I'm very much in the present moment knowing exactly what's happening. And I'm generally not so stressed out. It's a very calming experience, just like watching a fire. And when you're looking at a fire, it's very calming and relaxing because you're focusing and your mind is settling down. So all these things that we do, we don't think about as meditation, but they are.
0: Ah, that's key. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think... With the fullest respect, Hmm. Um, some people think of meditation as some kind of far out new agey thing, but in reality, they're doing it every day and not realizing all the time. Yep. That's, that's a special point right there.
1: <laughs> and the thing about the thoughts, and we do address it in the book, that's actually one of the big struggles of our main character, Charlie, is that she's getting these thoughts coming in in addition to sounds. And so she's got all these sounds coming at her and she's got these thoughts inside as well. And she's like, well, I can't, and she doesn't say it, but basically she's in the process of going, I can't do this. Oh, how am I supposed to practice meditation when all this stuff is happening? Yes. And uh, the bee shows her the way. Um, and so we can get into the book in a little bit, but the process of, I, I like to look at it like you're lifting weights in a gym. You know, if you're lifting weights and you're pushing the bar up and you're pushing and bringing or you're bringing it down first and then you're yeah. pushing it up, that's one rep, right? Right. And so imagine that you're trying to focus on, let's say you're breathing. Let's say that's a focal point. <sighs> You're doing your best to try to keep your mind focused on this breath and you're really, oh, I'm going to meditate today, right? And then all of a sudden you're, you know, bing, bing, and yeah, one yeah. thought leads to another, which leads to another. And for two minutes you're off wandering in la-la land about whatever. And then you go, oh, you know, I wasn't focusing on my breath. And then the second you ring yourself back to your breath, you've completed one rep. Ah. And that's a really helpful way of looking at it because a lot of people think that thinking and sounds and getting distracted is a failure of meditation when it's actually a fundamental part of it. So if you can see it, that this is a practical thing you can do at all times, not just when you're sitting in some weird, you know, lotus position, Uh but you're sitting in a chair or maybe you're waiting at the post office or whatever, and you're able to just kind of sit and come back to a focal point of any kind. It doesn't have to be your breathing. It could be snowboarding or fire or whatever. And once you've returned to that focal point and you can just breathe in, breathe out, whatever, however you focus your mind, then your thought will happen. And then you just return back to your focal point. It's kind of like you're doing brain training. You're training your mind to focus what you want it to focus on, not what it wants to focus on. Yes. And the, the brain is all like a puppy. It's untrained. And what happens with a puppy, it pees and poops all <laughs> over the place and chews up things that you don't want it to. Right? And it's very destructive if left untrained. But if you train the dog, you have a really amazing life companion. And ultimately, your brain is stuck with you the rest of your life. And if we don't train it really well, it's going to cause, I've even been told it causes 99% of all of our problems. So oh, yeah.
0: I, <laughs> think, I mean, I think about the challenges that I have in my life, and a lot of times, it's me getting in the, my, the way of myself exactly you know i overthink and i paralysis analysis yeah you know that's it and you get stuck yep. and and then sometimes those crazy thoughts can create fear and all exactly. kinds of irrational stress uh, yeah oh yeah
1: yep big time
0: um, so going back to that analogy of how it's like a rep like lifting weights so Can we take the analogy a step further? Each time, each rep, you get stronger and stronger and better and better with mindfulness? Exactly.
1: Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, it does, it's not apparent at first. It takes a little bit of time for you to start recognizing the results, just like if you're working out, right? You don't get all swole right right off the bat. Yeah. But yeah, in time, you start to recognize some results, some muscle, you know, you're like, oh, I'm a little bit more toned, you know? And eventually, yeah, muscles start to kind of grow. So it does take time and patience. But with practice, you can definitely notice a difference. It's it's a profound, dramatic difference, and I can't even begin to list all the benefits. It's it's life changing.
0: Well, walk me through a, an example. You know, maybe it's you, maybe it's someone else, or we can create a fictional person if you want. Sure. That practice mindfulness and saw their life improve dramatically.
1: Okay, I can talk about myself. Sure. Okay. <laughs> so. Um, I mean, born and raised here in Poway, I went through Poway High. Um, mm-hmm. It was a very difficult time for me, actually. it's quite – I mean, I'm, I was developing emotionally, just trying to be accepted and fit in. I mean, I remember the thought processes I had back then, which is I would rather be dead than to be rejected. Oh, yeah. It was really terrifying to yeah. maybe be outcast or labeled a loner or outsider or whatever. So I was just desperate to be a part of and be fitting in. Um, so much so – that when all of my friends started to begin to experiment with drugs and alcohol and partying, I was the only one that wasn't. I, it felt a tremendous amount of pressure, and you can call it pure pressure, I don't like the word, but it was pressure and I had to make a decision. Am I going to try to find a whole new group of friends all over again? Because I had kind of done that already previously by going from Valley Elementary and then going to Twin Peaks when all my friends went to middle school. I had to make friends all over again in middle right, school. Right. And I made friends all over again when I went to high school. And do I really want to go through all that again? It's a lot of, a lot of stress and, yeah, and yeah. it's really scary to try to find a whole new group of friends. And I was like, or I can try to go along with it. And I made the wrong choice and I ended up getting into drugs and alcohol. It led me down a really bad path. Mm-hmm. And ultimately I ended up in jail looking at felony charges at one Oh one Yeah. And, uh, luckily by the grace of whatever. Yeah. And I was praying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. And, um, I was able to get a second chance, and uh, you know i 've paid off all the the fines and everything that I needed to in order to get myself out of that mess and with the help of twelve uh, step programs and i 've also been in recovery now for uh, over seventeen years oh right on so i haven 't had any drugs or alcohol now for over seventeen years, and in that process, I can see and now that i 've developed a meditation practice which I was introduced to through my twelve step program um, I now have the capacity to be able to hold my emotions. I can be present for them. I don't have to repress them. I don't have to try to use drugs to cover them up when I'm feeling uncomfortable or making these tough decisions. Had I had a practice of mindfulness back then, I think very, very, it would have been very unlikely that I would have gone into drugs and alcohol. I would right. have had the more strength and more resilience to be able to take care of whatever it was that was coming up. Because that's what meditation allows us to do. Remember, it's like a spotlight. It allows us to hold something. So... Experienced meditators, this is a giant benefit of meditation, is an experienced meditator is able to experience an emotion, be aware that they're feeling the emotion, and then know what to
0: do about it. Ah, this is
1: key. Yeah, and you can, most you can get
0: caught up in the thoughts and feelings, and then you start right. acting out in crazy ways. It creates so many, 99% of our problems,
1: right? So yeah,
0: yeah. yeah again, uh, and that was really the heart and
1: soul of why I created this book. Um, this book is meant to introduce children to this practice so that they can start learning at a young age so that maybe by the time they get to the high school age and they're starting to face similar problems, they don't have to fall into the same traps. So they can actually oh. find a way of living life that's way more pleasant less suffering, way more. And honestly, our world needs people like that now. We need people that are emotionally strong, that know how to deal with the world's problems that we're facing. Because right now we need a generation of saviors. we got so many problems in this world. Like how are we going to solve them? Like if we're so caught up in our own emotions and not knowing what to do. We need people who can embrace what's happening, process it, feel it deeply, and then move through it so that they can make the right decision from their heart. And wow. yeah, that's what I'm here to do. That's my, that's my purpose in life. And so this book is very much an extension of my purpose here. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, just one example, but I I can tell you like 10 other people, many other different things, uh, you know, that they've experienced that, you know, can vouch for the meditation practice. So, no, that's being friendly. Yeah. Good dog. Um, good dog.
0: Yeah. You, the the skills of mindfulness are generally Not taught at all to children. No, not at all. Many adults are unaware of the skills. Mm -hmm. Those that are aware, I'm going to make a hunch here, (laughs) discover it after they've gone through their own set of challenges. Right. Okay. So it becomes a reactive thing. Exactly. Rather than getting ahead of it and teaching at a young age. Yeah. So that when they do get, I mean, high school is tough. Middle school, that's a crazy time in a kid's life. Right. Imagine having these skills- to navigate through those six years of school.
1: Right. And and, and it would be great if we could teach it in school. But ultimately, you know, the way our system is set up right now is that parents are you know, teaching a lot of these things. And I mean, I I lay no blame to my parents. Their parents didn't teach them how to practice either. Yeah. So I am lucky that I've stumbled across this practice and I've had mentors that show me how to do it. Mm -hmm. And now that's seriously, that's what I want to do. That's my main thing is I want to teach people how to do this thing so that they can find that it's not this, you know, abstract you know super hippie weird yeah. fluffy thing it's a very practical thing that yes. science is now starting to recognize and like mbsr i'm not sure if you've heard of mindfulness brace mindfulness based stress reduction but it's a very popular methodology for therapy nowadays um, people are becoming professionally trained in this and teaching basically just meditation um, but it's it's becoming more mainstream it's definitely starting yeah. to explode and you know whether I'm getting paid or not, I'm teaching it all the time. Like I'm oh, yeah. hosting weekly meditation groups in Prague. I was doing that here in San Diego, mm-hmm. and I just want to get the word out that this thing is is life-changing. It's it it makes life life is inherently going to be filled with suffering. We don't need to add any more to it. <laughs> meditation is our or is our path to making life a little bit more pleasant and we don't have to suffer so much. When and when we do suffer, we suffer way more skillfully so we don't have to wow. dwell on it.
0: That's true. Yeah. Life has so many challenges. Mm. There's no easy glide path through life. Yep. Even for those that are very privileged, they still suffer challenges. Um, All of us do. And, and yeah. And so what you're doing, I think is, is um, extraordinary. I mean, you're, you're, you're evangelizing a message that's going to change the way people live. That's going to benefit their life. So if you want to make this your life purpose, I mean, you're writing a book, you're, Mm -hmm. you're, you know, working, you know, instructing in seminars and in workshops. What else are you thinking of doing with this?
1: That's kind of what you're just getting into is a little bit more of the next project, right? So I'm going to continue to write books, you know, as the book ideas come through me, I'm not going to sit down and "Mm, I need to come up with a book idea. I'm not that (laughs) kind of person, but if the idea comes, I'm going to, I now I have a vehicle for making it. I have been through the process and I know what to do, but the, the path that I'm about to walk down is the mindfulness centers. Um, so, and it's called centers for a couple of different reasons. Cause as I mentioned, mindfulness is about having a focal point. So a center point, uh, right. Uh. But it's also got physical centers. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to have one here in San Diego and one in Prague, which are my two places of residence essentially, essentially. Oh, yeah. And if it explodes from there, awesome, you know, but those will be my places that I'm going to be focusing on. Um, The idea is, uh, especially in Prague right now, the the unemployment rate is so low. It's one of the lowest in Europe. It's about 1%. 1%? It's down really far low. And so there's really no incentive for an employee to be in an unhealthy work environment. If they're not happy, they could easily find another job. Um, and employers are struggling to hold on to their employees, and it's a major benefit if they can. So, I'll be providing this service to businesses, uh, showing, um, you know, doing workshops and seminars within the company setting environment, helping the atmosphere become a little bit healthier because. You know, as you probably know, working in a work environment, it's, it's like being with family. It's like a different family that you don't really choose. Yeah. You choose it ish, right? You choose the job, but who's there? You don't really choose. So, uh, you know, sometimes you have good relationships, sometimes you don't, but ultimately it's like a family that you're spending so much time with. And my question is, do you want that to be a healthy family or do you want it to be a dysfunctional family? And my job is going to be, you hire me, I'm going to come in, and I'm going to help make that a healthy family. Because health comes from communication, effective, healthy communication. And effective, healthy communication leads to understanding, and understanding leads to love. So if you want an environment where you work at, where you're just ecstatic to be there. You're stoked being there. You're happy. You love the people you're working with and everybody understands and supports one another. That's the kind of work environment we all want to work in. And that's the kind of environment I want to help create for all these companies.
0: Wow. I mean, that's got me thinking. Because speaking for myself, and I imagine for a lot of people, we've all had that difficult moment at work Mm -hmm. where there's conflict, uh, chemistry problems with people on a team, Right. Um, a toxic environment where you just want to run away. Um, That's, that's a really tough spot to be in as an, as an employee, especially if the unemployment rate is like 10% where you can't can't. can't escape. (laughs) Exactly, So it's even better Uh, for them. So I think what you're providing is a huge value to those employees, obviously to, to, to make the work environment better. But to your other point, the person that's paying you, which is the corporation, it's a huge benefit to them so they can retain exactly. their best employees and not have this constant churn and retraining and exactly. disruption and loss of productivity. Exactly. It's a
1: win-win for everyone. Yeah. Yep. And yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, there's different packages of, of of sorts that I'll be offering. Of course, mindfulness being the absolute bottom foundation yeah. that I'm going to be building everything else upon. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trained in cognitive behavioral science. I'm trained in uh, emotional intelligence training, um, you know, mindfulness training, of course. Yeah. And then uh, also there's um, another thing called nonviolent communication, NVC. And with those together, and I'll basically be training, you know, people in the workforce how to use these things, even just on a very basic level. Like, for example, uh, NVC, nonviolent communication, we use I statements. We try not to say the word you when you're having a a complication Mm. with somebody. The second you say you, you're raising up the defenses of somebody. That's right. And they're not going to want to hear anything you're saying. So instead, you can offer uh, something else like a special... uh, specific thing you can say instead of I statement, you can say, Hey, um, I really appreciate you inviting me onto this podcast. You know, it was really thoughtful. It was very considerate. There's also this other thing that I've been meaning to talk to you about. That's really a bit of a challenge. And you explain that real quickly. And then you say, but overall, I'm really glad that we have this relationship. You know, you kind of sandwich the difficult information between two pieces of really great bread.
0: Yes. (laughs) I've heard that analogy before that you sandwich negative news with two pieces of positive news. Yeah. So, that, so that's th- NVC. That's nonviolent communication. Yeah. I mean, that's a great way to be an effective communicator and and, right. and to build positive emotional relationships. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. So you look like you're extending a hand. You're not attacking. And when you do have something that can be perceived as negative, it may come across as constructive criticism. Right. Or just problem solving. Exactly.
1: And, yeah. that, and ultimately, like, you know, I'm not expecting everybody in the workplace to be able to take on this information and become like, oh, everyone's amazing. It's like, <laughs> you no, know, but if everybody gets a little bit of something, yeah. it, it, it goes a long way. A little tiny bits and pieces add up to a big change. And ultimately, that's the idea is that, yes, employees will be retained. It helps the business is exactly as you stated. So and all the while, like I said, I'm I'm not just focusing on adults. Which is, of course, that would be that would be my main yeah. job that I'll be doing in the future. And again, this is going to be something I'm slowly phasing in over the next three or four years. Um, meanwhile, I'm teaching at an uh, elementary slash middle school out in Prague right now, so I'm teaching youngsters as well and even toddlers. Okay, <laughs> as young so, as people who are able to even just look at the pictures of the book. So,
0: so let me. So you're teaching this within the schools, mm-hmm. but you're not a teacher. I'm a teacher. Oh, you are a teacher? Right
1: now, I'm currently teaching fifth and sixth grade. So English, math, science, and IT.
0: So they allow you to you know integrate this into the curriculum. Why not? Yeah. Cool.
1: Yeah, that, I mean, I'm not... That's good. It's completely secular. It's brain science. It's yeah. like psychology, really. Yeah. So, and I, I don't need to like, you know, make a big deal out of it. But, you know, if I... You know, invite everybody in the classroom to just stop and take a breath every once in a while, like that. Okay, <laughs> that's yeah. Yeah, no, they're not. You know, little things like that go a long way.
0: So you're teaching in Prague. Are you? You mm-hmm. must be bilingual or or trilingual, right?
1: I'm, I'm learning. Uh, I'm learning Czech at the moment. When I have the time, I'm taking some classes with a private teacher. And um, actually, Spanish was my second language. So you're a good guess. I, trilingual <laughs> is where I'm headed. Yeah, I'm not quite there yet. I think I have to be fluent to be trilingual. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I'm. I know enough that. I know the bad words the students are saying, <laughs> <laughs> but you, you instruct in English. I instruct in English. Yeah. It's a, it's a bilingual school. So. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. It's a good position for me.
0: And imagine being able, like you say, having a, a center in San Diego, another one in Prague. Right. You know, being able to do this across continents. Yep. Wouldn't that be just tremendous?
1: That's where I'm aiming. Yep. Yeah. That's the goal. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, and yeah, that's uh, the ultimate goal for me, like I said, is to be just teaching mindfulness in all the different ways I can possibly teach it. And adults and and kids everywhere in between. And uh, yeah, however I can do it. So it's writing a book, mindfulness centers, teaching a little bit and influencing, you know, putting it into the curriculum somehow. I'll, I'll do whatever I can because I know how good I know the benefit. I know how it's going to help.
0: Well, prior to you coming here, I went on the mindfulness center website and there's like an eight minute video of you Mm -hmm. and you used a a great example of, you know, driving on the road Mm -hmm. and then maybe getting cut off. Right. Share that story. I think that was a good one.
1: It is a good one. All right. So this is kind of how I usually explain cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, So events are, there's an acronym that I use, uh, a little mnemonic device called ETFAR. Um. So E, T, like E, T, the extraterrestrial, right? Phone home. Phone home. But in this case, <laughs> far. Like okay. when he phones home, he goes home far, far away. That's how I remember. E T. No, that's far. actually good. I like that. So E stands for event. Mm-hmm. Uh, T stands for thinking. F stands for feeling. Um, F, A stands for action. <laughs> and yeah. then R stands for results. So this is the way that the... Everybody basically acts. This is at least the idea of cognitive behavioral science Okay, is, okay, there's some sort of an event. It starts either inside, like an internal event or an external event. An internal event could be like an emotion or something else happening inside the body. Mm -hmm. Um, But getting cut off on the freeway, that's the one. It's easy. Everybody can relate to it, (laughs) especially here in San Diego, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, So you're driving down the street and an event happens. Somebody cuts you off, right? Yeah. The first thing that happens is a thought. You start thinking to yourself, oh, what a jerk. Didn't, yeah. he, didn't he see me here? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm going to be late for work now. <laughs> All these exaggerations start coming up. And these intensify and ramp up the emotional state, which usually then will be anger. So that's the feeling. So, event leads to thinking, which is, oh, what a jerk. Yeah. Feeling is anger. And yeah. the action is propelled by the anger now so the anger is leading us into some sort of an action in this case i'm going to go to the extreme and let's say the action is uh, I don't know, some road rage situation. Yeah. Um, or it could be something subtle, like you just want to speed up and you just want to see him in the face. You know yeah, what I mean? Oh, like, I, yeah. I know what you're talking <laughs> about, I just want to
0: see what this guy looks like. Or, I've been on both ends <laughs> of that one.
1: <laughs> yeah. It could be just something subtle like that. Mm-hmm. Or it could be, again, it could be catastrophic. You could be getting into a road yeah. rage altercation, Yeah. And then the result would be you end up in prison or something oh, crazy yeah, yeah. or somebody gets killed. Like yeah, some horrible yeah. things can happen. So, Cognitive behavioral science says, well, what happens if you challenge the thinking? Because once you start experiencing the the physiological biochemistry of anger or whatever the emotion is that's coming up, the feelings, you really can't stop it. It's yes. a chain reaction that just – it will run its course. With mindfulness, you can hold it. You can breathe with it. You can help it to settle down. But you know, when you get angry, it takes – About 20 minutes before you're able to return to a rational thought process again. I was teaching anger management and um, uh, some emotional intelligence training before I left San Diego here as well to adults. So I was teaching down at the Chula Vista Parole Department. Um, So parolees who were, uh, you know, violating their parole or had some sort of substance abuse problems, they were going there and I was teaching the same things. And I learned a lot from that education. Um, As a teacher, I think we learn the most. We're like the ultimate student. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I learned, you know, some of the science behind this. And it takes about the average person about 20 minutes to calm down once they're angry. So the idea is if you can somehow get in before the, um, the emotions started, before the feelings start, and start changing the way you think. Yes. Then you'll change the way you feel, which changes your action, which yeah. changes the result. Yes. So, this is the idea of cognitive behavioral therapy. And a lot of people are doing it, especially with addiction and a lot of other issues. So, if you can challenge yourself, because you're probably not going to change the first couple of thoughts. The first couple of thoughts are like trained and hardwired from years and years oh, and yeah. years. So, like uh, the first thought might be, What a jerk, and didn't he see me, and da 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 da. And then maybe the third or the fourth or fifth thought could be, You know what? Maybe he didn't see me or, you know what, maybe they're on their way to the hospital or, you know what, maybe they're late for work. I understand that. Um, Either way, it's not personal. It's not about me. It has nothing to do with me. The person has no idea who I am. You know what, I think it's better if I just slow down, take a breath and just let it go and then I'll get to work and the result will be nothing happens. And that's the best result. 99% of the time, the best result is that nothing happens. Um, A lot of times the results are not good. Yeah, it's,
0: it's interesting because, like you say, when the event happens, all these thoughts race through your mind, mm-hmm. you know, and they're, they're zooming in and out. And it just, it's just a matter of which one you grab and cling on to. Right. And then that's the one that drives the feelings. And, yep. then, and that could have a good result or a poor result. Exactly. Um, I know there have been times in my life where I was feeling very stressed kind of overwhelmed with certain things and then your mind starts racing towards all these potential bad consequences right and then suddenly i grasp onto a different thought i mm-hmm. think slightly different just a slight change of perspective and that's then all, it takes. all of a sudden the feelings change yep. and then the, the view of what the potential outcome could be is suddenly far more pleasant exactly so that's a case where i did the um, the e the, the T, right. the F, right and then I reeled Re- myself right back, back to the T and rethought it yep. and then went back through the feelings and, and was in a better spot. exactly But those are hard to catch yourself in that moment. Totally. Because you have to be very aware. Yep. It, it takes mindfulness. It takes mindfulness. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. So the stronger
1: your mindfulness is going to be, the, the more you've been working out, the more you're going to be able to catch yourself. this is why these things build upon itself. I always teach mindfulness at the foundation. Like that's the absolute foundation yeah. of all this stuff. Cause if you're, if you're not having enough awareness to be able to catch yourself, then this is completely a waste of time. Like no one's ever going to use that. Right. So the, yeah, the key and I, and I teach another, uh, a lot of different things like, you know uh, you got to tune into your body. Cause a lot of people don't know that when you're feeling something, there's actually a biochemistry thing happening in your body oh, for sure so yeah. you actually physically feel it in your body like when you're feeling angry or sad or any emotion it's so i always uh, tell my students put your hand where you're feeling it you know, a lot of times it's somewhere between here and here but sometimes yeah. when you get embarrassed your face turns a little flush so you can yeah. put it there but you know generally it's here somewhere so you put your hands where you're feeling it that will help draw your attention and brings your mindfulness forward
0: ah yeah.
1: Uh, that it anchors is, you in the present moment. It allows you to be physically present with what's happening, and then you have the ability to respond instead of just react. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, this is good. <laughs> Imagine if you could teach this to some of our world leaders.
1: Oh, hey, man. <laughs> One day. Maybe that's where I'll build up to, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's a lot of people who are, actually. A lot of people I've known have talked to – a lot of politicians about this practice and a lot of politicians have, have started to practice. So you, you would be surprised all the people who actually know a little bit about this. I've heard about it cause I'm, I'm paying attention yeah. to who who's talking about it during a debate or something, who drops the key words. Most people wouldn't pay attention. Right. But yeah, yeah
0: but you, you know, I'm looking when for it. When you hear it, you, you kind like, of, Oh, cool. Yeah, right. didn't yeah.
1: know. He's a little bit more aware than the next gun. That's good.
0: <laughs> I mean, this is so awesome. This is a, this is a <laughs> great topic. Um, because you know, when people don't have control of their thoughts and their feelings, like you say, they they can, it can lead to all sorts of, you know, addictions, right? Yep. Like you talk about alcohol and right. drugs, but- Overworking. You know, overworking, yep. food addiction. Right. I mean- Nicotine. Everything. Yeah. You know, because people have all of a sudden these terrible feelings and they don't know how to cope with them. And exactly. then they go to these these, you know- Netflix Netflix. behavior yeah Yeah. oh netflix (laughs) oh my god i know right yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. so just
1: going home after the end of the day of a hard day's work and you're exhausted and you're tired and all you want to do is reach for a beer and watch the tv right like you don't think of that as an addiction but it's emotional repression oh yeah you're not actually processing the stress from the day you're actually just pushing it down and you're not actually allowing your body to really just relax and and it's super common. I can't say like, oh, look at me. I've mastered this. No, 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 Yeah. This Plus, is an ongoing it's, thing. It's an ongoing thing. It's, that's why we call it a practice. Yes.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> imagine I mean, take the example of that person that, you know, works a day, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe they're in that toxic environment at work and they, there's no mindfulness training going on at work, Exactly. but they, they come home right. and they're just beat. Right. Okay. And, and they, they, They just want to escape, Mm -hmm. okay, to drugs, alcohol, Netflix, whatever it is. Right. Veg out on a couch, crash, go to bed, and they just repeat the same thing the next day. And it's just this day in, day out. You know, and then life becomes a a struggle. It becomes suffering. It's a suffering. Now, imagine if they had that mindfulness. Right. Then they could say, okay, how do I change my circumstances? How do I get more control, and then leave that toxic situation or develop skills in new areas so I could take my career to a different place.
1: Well, so here's the key. So mindfulness is something that most people think is something you have to be doing in some sort of practice center and holding your hands in a specific (laughs) way. And the beautiful thing is that it has nothing to do with any of that. I mean, those things will help. That's great. But, you know, you can go and get home and if if you have the luxury if you don't have kids <laughs> yeah. you have the luxury yeah, yeah you do of taking five or ten minutes and mm-hmm. just going into a room and just like sitting and following your breath and focusing and then as your mind settles down you'll notice that the emotions there the tension the stress the hurt from the day whatever yeah and you can process it right yeah. that's a very simple thing to do as, if you don't have if you have kids it's a little different because yeah. your kids are jumping on you from the dim. you get home and oh yeah if you have young ones especially oh yeah um in which case, you know, you do what you got to do as a parent. That's 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 the constant struggle I'm dealing with right now is how do I continue to practice with what's happening with my kid, right? Um, and my wife and I are both practicing mindfulness, so that helps. So we support each other. Wonderful. Um, we've been trying to develop like at least, you know, once he's asleep, uh, a routine of getting in uh, cleaning up his toys and then <laughs> uh, breathing together for at least five or ten minutes, maybe dancing together or something. Um, nice. And uh, another thing that you can do, though, while the kid's still awake, is you can recognize that mindfulness is something you can do, like when you're washing a dish, for example. So, you're wa- washing dishes meditation. You got your hands in the water, or maybe you're just letting the water run. Hopefully, it's not here in San Diego. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, right. And, you know, you got nice warm water, and you got some, maybe some gratitude that it's not super icy cold water. You're, you're actually having a nice, like, you know, Sponge, you know, you're 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 bringing up some gratitude for being able to actually have the utensils for actually cleaning. You have plates to clean. Um, you're able to just return your focus again and again to cleaning this dish. Your mind goes elsewhere. You bring it back to the dish. Stay in the moment, and that's that's the mindfulness thing. Yeah. Right? You're redirecting your attention, and yeah. you're doing one rep. It's not now. I'm not focused on my breathing in and out as my anchor, as my focal point, as my center. Now it's the dish. So as I'm washing the dish, I've had. 20 something plus years of education and professional training I've had, you know, I'm a published author. I got all those other things happening. All of that I've done has led me to this present moment where all I need to do with all of my skill and all of my training is to wash a dish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. all I do. I don't need to do anything else. My brain wants to do a thousand different things because washing a dish is too simple. And my brain is brilliant. It's fascinating. It's a complicated piece of machinery. But in that moment, all it needs to do is wash a dish. So when it wants to go off and think a million different thoughts, I just bring it back to washing the dish, washing the dish, washing the dish. And it's kind of therapeutic washing a dish. I actually have fallen in love with washing dishes. since I've started practicing mindfulness, I used to hate it. It was like I was thinking about what I wanted to be doing after I was done with the dishes. Right. And these are standing in the way of me in that. Yeah. And it created frustration and all this irritation. So now washing the dishes has become the destination. It's what I look forward to doing. It's what I do to calm down. Actually, when I'm having a fight with my wife sometimes, I (laughs) go and I start washing the dishes because it helps me calm down. It kind of makes me feel clean inside when I'm cleaning something outside. And it puts my thoughts in order, allows me to calm down, get focused, and let the emotions to settle. So washing dishes, uh, breathing, uh, you can do walking meditation, you can go for a walk. Um you know you can literally use your imagination to create a million different ways to practice mindfulness as long as you have a focal point and when your mind goes elsewhere, you bring it back to that focal point you, there you go you 're there nice yeah
0: you know I, I I share my story about washing dishes because I never really thought of it in these terms, but I know that when i 'm working on one major project or task. And then I'm done with that. Mm-hmm. And then it's time to switch to something completely different. Right. I will clean part of the house in between. Yeah. Because it helps me kind of clear my mind. Right. As I'm clearing the countertops. Exactly. And and then there have been moments in my career where I was feeling overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Okay. And my had a to-do list a mile long. And the first thing I would do is clean my desk. Yep. And then it would give me some peacefulness. Right. That I could then think and then really prioritize exactly, and it you know just because it takes all all those thoughts and emotions are bouncing around and like you say it's like a your brain is like a puppy right and it's out of control right and just finding that moment to settle it down yeah it's it's a beautiful thing but I never really thought of it as meditation
1: yeah a lot of people don't know that they're meditating a lot of times (laughs) that's my point so and and by and large if you are just trying to sit and just practice breathing. I'd say the first five minutes are going to just be watching what I call the monkey mind, you know, <laughs> watching it brunch, jump from branch to branch. And I didn't come yeah. up with that. That was actually my teacher that came up yeah, with that. it's a good one. But he's like, monkey mind will just jump from branch to branch to branch to branch to branch <laughs> to branch. And that's going to pretty much happen every time I sit down to practice meditation for, for the first five minutes or so, especially if I've had a busy day or something. Um, you know, the more I've yeah. practiced, the recon- I recognize the five minute gap has narrowed. But, um, yeah, and, and, and often it still happens that five minutes, so that's why it's always good for me to practice for at least 10, sometimes 15 minutes. Cause then I get the benefit of getting past the monkey mind, seeing that the mind has settled, feeling more calm and allowing myself to actually show up for whatever yeah. I, uh, emotions that I've not been present for that day. Hopefully I'm, pre- I'm present for them throughout the day. If I can, if I'm more aware, I can, but it's not so easy all the time. Sometimes you're wanting, you have an emotion, but you just have to press on to the next topic. And, you know, that's life, you know, that's business.
0: It's hard. And, you know, some people feel like they're bouncing from one crisis to the next. Right. You know, that they're never able to find that, that peacefulness of mind. Right. Life's hard, man. It is. And these are great skills. And you know, it's so awesome. You're teaching us to kids. Yeah. So your book, like, what yep. is the age range for this book?
1: Uh, I mean, I had to choose an age range, but honestly, I, I think it's limitless because, you know, I, I got my three and a half year old and he's, he's really enjoying it. I mean, he's getting the very basics of just the breathing. Oh yeah. And, but more than all, he, he, he's just really loving the pictures, right? He's like, oh, yeah. it's a fire truck. And I ask him like, the Hey, pictures, where's I just gl- the bee, you know? And they're wonderful. Yeah. It's like. Well, what's happening in this picture? And I just kind of ask him what's happening. I mean, he's he's probably not going to get like the meditation part of it yet, but I'm going to keep reading it to him over, as he grows. Can, can you share
0: one of the, your favorite pictures in the book and show the camera? Sure.
1: You or know, maybe I can even here, here, you can just use, this, use one this so one. I'll be there. There sounds good.
0: Because um, I think I think the audience would like to see this because it's right. great illustration.
1: Well, if you want, maybe I can just do a quick reading. It's a really short book, so... Yeah, please. I'll just read through it real quick. Okay. Because it's actually kind of helpful, I guess, uh, if you've never had the book before, to kind of see one way I've read it five different ways um but you can this is maybe an example of how you might want to read it okay but it, I think it does depend on what age you're who you're reading it to as an adult to a child mm-hmm. you know if they're older you know I'd focus more on the meditation side of things cuz they can get it and if they're younger I focus more on the pictures and all of them just enjoy what's happening sure okay so Here's the, uh, the opening scene, um, and we have a happy tree, a happy bush. The cloud is smiling. The sun is smiling. Our main character, Charlie, is sitting in this beautiful, peaceful park, and also the flower is smiling. So everyone's happy. Everything looks perfect, right? <laughs> yeah. this, is, this is how we imagine meditation. This is what mm. we think. This is, what's, this is what it's going to be like. Right. And then reality comes in, <laughs> and she's not in this peaceful park. What's happening is she's actually in this quite busy neighborhood. Um, she's sitting over here. And you can see that she's not as happy as she was in yeah, the first page. It's a little frustrating. Yeah. You got a dog barking in the background, practicing frisbee catching. And you got a cat meowing and a car honking at the cat trying to cross the street. And you got a couple of people that are talking as they come into the scene. Um, on the next scene, you'll see that Charlie is now getting a little irritated. You got a little thought cloud, you know, above her head. She's uh-huh. starting to get a little frustrated because she thinks the meditation is about having no sounds or distractions yeah. happening. It's about having no thought. Um, she's still misinformed about meditation. And then there's a fire truck, you know, and <laughs> I don't know, um, I'm not going to make the noise of the fire truck. You get it. Um, they and probably then, sound different in Prague. Probably, they? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do. And I can't yeah, I I can't do it. Um then you got a baby crying because it got woke up by the fire truck, and that's what these people are talking about, right? Yeah. So they're talking, uh-oh, the fire truck woke up the baby. Yeah, it's okay. She's super sleepy. I'll just rock her a little bit. Um so we've got all these distractions happening. Yeah. And Charlie is just trying to sit there and practice meditation. Things keep happening, a phone rings now. Um, that wakes the baby again. The baby's crying. The phone's ringing. Uh, these people are saying hello to each other while the dog's barking, the cat's meowing. Everything's happening. And now her eyes are open. You can see she's she's angry. <laughs> she's really mad. right? Um, and, oh, no, she was almost asleep. Yeah, this time the, the phone woke her up. I'm talking about the baby. So you might see over on this page, the bee starts kind of coming into the scene right now. The bee... As a little bit of a, more of a close up Says hey Charlie what are you doing And she says I'm trying To relax Are you okay You seem angry No I'm not okay I keep trying to meditate but everything is Too distracting The dog keeps barking the cat keeps Meowing the car keeps honking The people keep talking the siren Keeps blaring the baby keeps Crying and the phone keeps ringing Even my thoughts are too loud. <laughs> right? right, that's the thinking. Yeah, right? the yeah. monkey mind. The mo- Yeah, she's got this big thought cloud above her head. She's got so many thoughts happening, and the bee goes, "Well, why are you making yourself so mad?" And this is a profound moment in this book. This is. It took me many years to come up to this insight that we make ourselves angry based on what how we're perceiving the events. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. Cognitive behavioral science at its finest, right yeah. here. The bees. Obviously training in CBT. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you making yourself so mad? And she she doesn't know that that was an option. She didn't know that making herself mad was optional, that there was a different way of doing things. And she says, what else can I do? The bee says, well, and Charlie looks receptive and interested, slightly Uh intrigued. Just let the dog bark. And the dog's barking happily, playing, right? Nothing crazy happened. It's not happening at her, it's just a dog barking. So you're instructed to breathe in. Just let the dog bark and breathe out. Let the cat meow. And the cat's just meowing at a butterfly. It's beautiful. Yeah. Breathe in. Let the cat meow. Breathe out. Okay,
0: that says it right there in the book. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's
1: a little bit of a guided meditation, actually. Yeah, yeah. Breathe in. Let the car honk. And breathe out. And it's just honking at a friend on the side of the street, right? Again, nothing crazy is happening here. And she's starting to realize these are not bad things. She doesn't even be mad. These are actually pretty joyful events people are talking let the people talk and then they're saying what's that girl doing over there Uh, I think she's talking to a bee (laughs) Uh, really how funny the little boy says so breathe in let the people talk and breathe out fire truck coming by waving hi to the little kid down there breathe in let the siren blare and breathe out father's reaching for the baby, and baby this is crying. funny
0: because as you're doing this my dog is growling <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: let the dog growl and, it, and it's, a dis, it's distracting me and
0: she's gonna start barking in a minute so yeah, that's it's, right it's you know funny. that's actually perfectly it's
1: perfect because it's yeah. exactly what this book is about when things like this happen take a breath let the dog bark right yeah. let the dog growl yeah. it's alright it's not gonna be an end of the world uh, so let the baby cry breathing in and breathe out The phone's now ringing uh, because the father's holding the baby, trying to calm it down. And uh, there's a good reason for the phone to be ringing now because Mm -hmm. she can't physically pick it up. So let the phone ring. Breathe in. Let the dog bark.
0: <laughs> <laughs> See, I think she's hungry. What time is it? could be. Uh, it's around five, right? could be close to yeah, that, yeah. That's, she just likes to eat between five and 5.30. Now, I'm not right. rushing you. No, no, I no just That's why she's acting.
1: Right? <laughs> she's like, hey, come on. <laughs> Screw this guy. And this just, is perfect, like, hey, though. is why you're it, doing this it, book. That's you, exactly <laughs> why we do this book, right? <laughs> All right. So I hope the phone doesn't wake her up again. And he says, and no, I don't think so. She seems pretty happy now. Um, And then... Breathing in, let your thoughts go. Mm. And breathe yeah. out. Yeah. And the last to pa- in the second last page and just be. Uh, ah. <laughs> yeah. So now she's on she's at the point where she's able to just be in the park. That's beautiful. And she doesn't have to make herself mad about it. She can just recognize that these are things that are just happening while we're gonna sit and meditate. You know, thoughts are going to continue. Sounds are going to happen. Everything's going to continue to happen exactly as normal. We don't drift off to some mystical, magical land and have some burning <laughs> bush experience. Yeah. You're just going to sit wherever you're sitting or you're going to be doing whatever you're going to be doing and life is going to continue to happen. The only thing that's going to change is you're going to become more aware of it. Yeah. You're going to be increasingly more aware of it, And that's how you know meditation is already working because you're more aware of these things than you normally would be. And so you're quiet and your brain is now quieting and you're recognizing more things you normally would. Your awareness, your mindfulness energy is peaking and all you need to do is continue to come back to your focal point at that point. So as the dog barks, as the things happen, recognize that it's happened. You can shift your mindfulness energy as the spotlight over to that thing and then refocus back on your focal point again and again and again and again, lifting more and more of that weight
0: and do more reps. I mean, think about this from the perspective of a professional athlete. Mm-hmm. They have to have these skills. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're in a, an arena or a stadium with 60,000 people screaming at you. Right. You have to be aware of it. Right. But you can't have it take you off of course. focus. Exactly. That's you know? right. Um, yeah. The, the, the beauty, This is powerful because it's a children's book, but it just this conversation, adult to adult. Right. This is valuable.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's how I designed it. Like I wanted it to be, you know... Carefully disguised as a book to children, but of course the parent has to read it to them. So the parent is actually teaching themselves meditation mm. while they're reading it to their child, teaching them meditation,
0: which I think is a win-win. So The, the, the crazy tangent, but there's a lot of <laughs> cartoons that are like that, where they're, yeah. they're geared for children, but they have an adult message. Yeah, like, like the
1: Simpsons, right? Yeah, or Spongebob or the <laughs> Flintstones. <you know>? Exactly.
0: <laughs> so this is great. Thanks. Um, and the illustrations are wonderful.
1: Thank you. Yeah, Christoph is quite talented. He's, he's an amateur illustrator. I'm an amateur author, so I think it just kind of was, well, a, you're no was longer a great parent. amateur. Well, we, we you're, now got something finally. Yeah, now produced. you're professional. Yeah. You're legit, man. All right, <laughs> I'll take
0: that. Um, so tell the audience where they can get the book.
1: All right. So I mean, it's found anywhere you can find books. Like uh, at this point, we're not going into uh, like the bookstores, but you can find it online anywhere. So Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, indie bookshops have them on their online databases as yeah. well. Um, I'm also going to be, um, as I have more time, as a parent, I don't have that much of it. Yeah. I'm going to be developing it so that they can find it on, on the website as well. Mm-hmm. So Zen Activist Press is the publishing company that I've created to. Oh, wonderful. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm not just an author, I'm a publisher. So I self-published this. Um, and, uh, yeah, so and it's not just, uh, the publishing, uh, website. It also doubles as free, uh, meditation uh, uh, guidance because I have a links to all the YouTube videos I've done because I have my own YouTube, uh, channel and I've been just making free meditation videos for anyone who wants to
0: watch them can. That's so smart, the way you're doing it. In fact, um, one of my previous guests, Catherine Cloward, was here, and she she d- done something similar. She's written children's book. Um, she's also developed children's songs. Mm-hmm. And she, rather than just simply self-publishing, right. which is now so much easier to do these totally. days. Totally. That's the way to go now. Um, she created her own publishing company. Right. So she had more control over the rights of them. Exactly. And then she had sort of a, a an umbrella that right. covered all of her creative uh, produ- product production. Right. Um, you know the written, the music, the sp- the, the talk, everything. Right. I, that's just a really great way to go.
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's I've, I've done a lot of research into you know this and preparing for it. So I, I ended up making that decision, and I had at one point contemplated going with a, a publishing company that I'm aware of, and would most likely do it. Um, but in the end, you know, if I'm going to make this a viable, you know, stream of income, I have, I had to make a publishing company and publish it my own uh, own. as it increases the profit margin, which in turn allows me to visit my parents more from Prague to San Diego and allows me to maybe make some more books and, and to come up with this business. It's obviously just going to continue to spread this, uh, this message of mindfulness.
0: And I'm sorry, what was the name of the publishing company again?
1: Zen activist press. But you can go to the website uh, zenactivist.com. Well, that makes sense. It's yeah. putting
0: Zen into making it active.
1: Right. oh because it's, yeah, and then, like the reason I came up with that name is because I, at heart I'm an activist. Yeah. And I think that the most powerful form of activism and the most patriotic thing that I can do is come back to myself, take care of what's happening inside so that I can act from my heart, not my anger. Um, cause I, I've, I've been on the streets with signs protesting this and that issue. Yeah. And ultimately I found that I am not really doing anyone any good if I'm stuck in anger. And I found actually that activism is a type of greed. Um, that's what mindfulness greed. has allowed me to find for my, myself. I can't speak for anyone else, but I found that no matter what I accomplished as an activist, I would never be satisfied. Yeah, true. And so this type of greed, and is defined as an insatiable desire for something. I was never going to be satiated. So actually now my activism isn't fueled by greed and anger and fear, which is actually the root of anger. Right. It's coming from even deeper, which is my heart. It's coming from my love. So instead of writing, like, this angry uh, message to my congressman, I can write him a love letter and say, hey, you know, I really appreciate what you're doing with this piece of bread. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Lay in what I'm thinking would be really nice for you to do, and then throw on another piece of bread, use some nonviolent communication. So that comes from the practice, comes from nonviolent communication, comes yeah. from my activism. Yeah. Because I want this world to be a better place. I want to be a, a place where, you know, my son doesn't have to worry about g- getting shot out of school, going to school here. Yeah. I don't want to, you know, I want a world where we don't have these stabbings and, and these, you know, yeah. uh, you know, just trying to celebrate our,
0: our religion of choice. It's been happening this weekend. There's been two incidents, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. imagine. here the, in
1: Poway, too. We got well, the, the, oh the my shooting. Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Imagine if those people that committed violence had mindfulness training. That's my hope. And they wouldn't have gone to that. Yeah. That bad space.
1: And I'm hoping that that's, the, that's what I'm hoping, is that this message becomes more mainstream, more mainstream, more mainstream. People start learning how to teach it to their kids. Hopefully, we end up start teaching in schools. And that is like, just like, I mean, this is like, I mean, we, we're taught about IQ and increasing our IQ about math and science and learning all these facts and these strategies for solving problems. But nobody talks about EQ. Nobody talks about how important it is for emotional intelligence. The EQ. That's, uh, that's another book. It's a beautiful book that somebody else wrote. I can, you know, oh, that's but nice. his his idea is that we need to develop EQ, which is in de- developing emotional intelligence. Ah. And actually, I found that actually there's an inverse relationship to people with high IQ. And their EQ. It's not very oh, common yeah, that people yeah. with high IQ have actually high EQ also. Usually it's kind of inverse because people with high IQ are super focused on learning and they're usually immersed in their books and they're not as social. Like, so uh, like Dr.
0: Sheldon Cooper right. from
1: uh, Big Bang <laughs> exactly, Theory. Exactly. Right? So yeah. we, we, I mean, actually I've, I've met a lot of people with yeah. PhDs that are brilliant, brilliant people but have the emotional maturity of like, you know, a teenager. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, okay. You just never had the time to actually interact with as many people and to develop those social cues and those social skills and uh, personally develop it within and knowing how to take care of it. So, my mission is, you know, focus more on EQ and still IQ is important, but in yeah. school EQ and I've been talking to the owner of the school I'm working at and the principal and we're seeing what we can do to start with the staff. So I'm going to be starting with my business uh, mindfulness centers at the current school I'm working at and bringing kind of like pro bono for a little while yeah. into the school and teaching the staff these things so that they can start bringing it to the kids there. in that school.
0: That helps you build that curriculum that you can then roll out to the corporations. And exactly. So that's that's perfect.
1: Yep. Wow.
0: This is another kind of a crazy tangent, but um, the fact that you wrote a children's book is special and it's smart as an entrepreneur. Um, now I'm going to throw a name on the table that you might know, okay. you know, if you went to school here in Pi, do you know the Boyack family? I've heard of the name. So, um, Connor Boyack, actually his mother used to be on Poway city council, Mary Lee Boyack, but Connor Boyack has, um, uh, created a series of children's books called the Tuttle twins and he's trying to teach like economic theory, Mm -hmm. but he puts it into something that's easy to digest for children. That makes sense. And I just think that's a wonderful way to become an author to take kind of difficult concepts and putting it into something that children can learn from and then, you know, kind of newbie adults can get it too. Right. Exactly. So I think, um, and, and, and there's so many parents that are hungry Mm -hmm. for this kind of content to provide their children because they know they're not getting it at school. Right. Yep. So, I mean, as a business person, it's wonderful that you came out with a children's book rather than like, you know, some, you know, intellectual adult book.
1: Right. Yeah, because ultimately it doesn't need to be super complicated. And actually, if you if you notice, the only real speech, like the words in the book, are just the speech <laughs> bubbles, which,
0: yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah.
1: it's not even all that pertinent, like what the people are saying, you know? And so actually the majority of it is so simple, you need actually almost no words in the book.
0: Yeah, it's so, great. And uh, the message is fantastic. Yeah. Nona Let the is, dog bark. <laughs> yeah, let the dog bark. <laughs> just be. <laughs> and that— uh, and you and must have fallen into this, just be, mm-hmm. and having the B as a character.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, in English, it makes sense. That's why I'm like, uh, I don't even know if I can translate this.
0: <laughs> That's perfect.
1: <laughs> but it, in English, it, it makes perfect sense because there's a B and he's just B, right? Oh, Bubby. <laughs> it's okay. You'll get food soon. Don't worry. So when are you going back to Prague? On Wednesday. Wednesday. So New Year's Day. Okay. Yeah. So just a couple more days and it's kind of, you know, it's been bittersweet being back home because I love my family dearly and, um, it's really hard being far away from them. And so being back here, it's like, ah, so much joy and love and happiness, yeah. but also it's tricky. It's, I have to use my practice of mindfulness because my brain wants to float away into, oh, Wednesday's almost here. Oh yeah. my God, I don't much. And there's fear and there's sadness coming yeah. up. And at the same time, my mindfulness practice is telling me, keep staying present. You got to be present now cherish the moments we have now. Yes. They're not going to be here, you know, in the future. So we got to enjoy the time we have right now. You know? I'm
0: sure your parents appreciate you being here. Well,
1: I'm I'm sure they do. Yeah. I appreciate them being there too. So yeah. it's, it's a win-win.
0: <laughs> win-win, man. I love that. Well, Nick, thanks for joining me.
1: My pleasure, man. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this yeah. is
0: great. So um, the book Just Be by Nick Neal, you can pick it up on Amazon or Barnes and Noble Noble or wherever popular books are sold. Right. And um, I look forward to learning more about your adventures. I think you've got a lot to offer this world.
1: Appreciate it. And yeah, I think as time starts to go forward and I have more and more free time, I'm going to develop the hard copy version. The ebook should be coming out soon. Okay. So, you know. The coffee table version. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And those ones, I think once, if, if we can work all together collaboratively and make this book more of a success, we can start getting it in print into the bookstores and make it a little bit more easily accessible. Yeah. So right now as a first time publisher, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's not really worth it as an entrepreneur to invest so much money into putting it into a bookstore. It, this is where I, me and you will have to talk a little bit more off camera or maybe we, in the future when I come back yeah. in the summer, we can do another podcast on how to publish a book. Um, well, well, the
0: world's changed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's quite a bit different. So, yeah. Um, anyway, that's something to, to look forward to. And if you go to thezenactivist.com, you'll see all the newest information about the book and when the hard copy and e is coming out. So stay tuned that way. And I'm sure, you know, hopefully okay. we'll have it on sale on the well, website too. I'll
0: have all the links in the show notes. Sweet. So people can uh, find their way to it. Thanks. And um, yeah, Nick, thanks for joining.
1: My pleasure, man. Thanks okay. for having me. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year.
0: All right. <laughs>